millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Sans Pants Radio. Australia's happiest podcast network. Hey everyone, welcome to Bookish. I'm George Dembrellis. This is a show where we ask you what's your story and what does it say about you. Today on the show we have comedian and writer Kit Richards. How you doing, Kit? Good, good. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. <laughs> is Kit short for something? I just have to ask. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just have cool parents who get to the point, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they really do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's like, because yeah, that's okay. They really liked uh, Knight Rider back in the day. Is that was his name, Kit? No. The car was, yeah. The mm. car was called Kit. Dad liked love the Phantom. Um, I wasn't named after the Phantom. He was like a comic book character, and the like the he was the Phantom, but then him as a normal person was Kit something. Um, I wasn't again wasn't named after the Phantom. <laughs> but Are you sure? It sounded yeah. kind of like you were named after the Phantom. <laughs> um, I cannot confirm or deny <laughs> if I was well, named after the Phantom. <laughs> So then what, what were you named after then? <laughs> just one of um, mum and dad's friends. They okay. were just like, that's a cool name. <laughs> we'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that strategy. Like they, like That's actually quite a compliment, I reckon, because like mm. no one's going to take the name of anyone that's going to annoy them in any way because yes. they can do that for the rest of their life. So, yeah, I've always heard that's a hard part of naming a kid is that like, you know, if everyone's got history, there's so many names that are off the table straight away. You're like, ah, oh, no, nah, can't do that. No. Nah. <laughs> He was loud. He was annoying. She was mean. <laughs> yeah, you just got to tick them all off. Yeah, like nah, nah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've um, I've got. A, I haven't got a short list. What am I about? What am I talking about? I've got names that I like, um, but they're all weird. What a surprise! Kit likes weird names. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's cool. Well, thank you for being on. Um, I so. I already told you about how the show works before, but let's start off with a book and then we'll jump around to hear more about you and your comedy stuff and all that. Mm. So your book of choice for today is? The Lovely Bones by, I should, Alice Seabold. I forgot for a second and then I remembered. I, like I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's a fair enough uh, concern. You're coming on a book show, you had like one job, which was just to remember yeah, the name of the book. <laughs> And the author. I think because the book has a very famous, very, very bad adaptation, I just assume that people know the book without me having to say who it's by. But um, no, no, it's by Alice Seabold. Is it? Okay. I guess just quickly. uh, No, 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 I'm believing you. (laughs) Okay, okay, sorry. (laughs) I thought you were doubting. You are. (laughs) <laughs> you are on edge. <laughs> yeah, it's a very anxious is. time to be alive, okay? <laughs> I, was, I was just gathering my thoughts. I didn't realize Sorry. it was <laughs> sounding like I was being suspicious. I'm like, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because I was just realizing this might be, maybe I should summarize the book quickly for anyone who doesn't mm. uh, doesn't know before asking this question. But also Please. I just want to know the answer to this question, which is, is the movie that bad? I haven't seen it, mm. but like it's by Peter Jackson, so I assumed it would be... Oh. All right. <laughs> it was one of the worst adaptations I've ever seen in my life. So I wow. when I studied screenwriting at uni and as part of that we did an, a subject on adaptation and for that subject we had to give a presentation on an adaptation and we could choose either like a good adaptation or a bad one. Yeah. And I chose The Lovely Bones because it's my favourite book but it is the worst adaptation I've ever seen. And that's because the book is about um, coming of age and, like, has very, like, female themes and is about being a young girl 
growing up, even though she's dead and like all that kind of stuff. Spoiler. Well, I guess actually, just quickly, I should clarify. Yeah, <laughs> you should probably say just, what yeah, the yeah. book's about first. Yeah. Well, in a quick, sum- in a super brief summary, it's just a yeah. young girl. She gets raped and murdered, I believe, and then yes. she uh, is in heaven or after the afterlife, mm-hmm. and then she's looking back at what happened. Um, in the aftermath of it with her family and stuff. And she's kind of looking at that whilst also dealing with her own death. Is that kind of right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Does she actually impact the goings-on in the – or is it just her watching? It's just her watching. Yeah. Um, Okay. But it's it's very – like the book itself is very interesting because, yeah, it's sort of about her, you know, like coming to deals with her – not not only her own death but more like all of the things she won't get to do because of – how her life was taken from her um, and, you know, how in the week that she was, you know, she was going to go to a, like a school dance with a boy and like have her first kiss and do all of this kind of stuff and then she was raped and murdered. But in the movie, first of all, she wasn't raped, which sounds like, <laughs> sounds crazy for me to be complaining about. But the thing is that it's like that was such a huge part of her story and was a huge part of the writer's like real life experience that um for them to take that out and then they just sort of had her like gallivanting around like a 3d heaven what and wasn't even watching anything that was going on down below and it was just like so disrespectful to the book and to the readership and basically just peter jackson being like i'm gonna just jerk off for two hours and show you what i can do animation wise and just ruin this like young girl story for all of the young girls who needed to hear it so i'm very angry about it i can tell this is amazing already i've never heard such fire from it okay so like um well okay firstly i agree with you i know it sounds horrible but taking the rape out would be like totally changing some of the theme i'm guessing of the like in terms of the misuse and the mistrust and even though you could say murder is part of that yes it it's a very specific lens when it includes the rape as well, which I've said that word too many times in the last. I know minutes. you're gonna have to, to put a trigger to, warning on the <laughs> at the start of the episode. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, okay. <laughs> a lot of these episodes seem to have a lot of some episodes have passed out, but okay. To be fair, the content of the book this is inevitable. Um, yes. So is that because, like, uh, firstly, I didn't realize that she has no impact on. So it's a, essentially, she's almost like a narrator looking mm. down on the other people's lives who's also got their own story going on that they're coming to terms with. That's so yeah. weird already. I, I really, really like that idea already. Like that sounds interesting. Like, yeah. Just, and how do you do that well? Yeah. Exactly. It's like because in the book, um, Heaven is sort of like her sitting on clouds on a park bench, literally like looking down into earth and that's it. Like, all of the stuff Peter Jackson animated was all made up. Um, Uh And in that sort of version, it was just her, like, dancing on records in, like, a 60s outfit and doing all of that kind of stuff. Where I'm like, she's not actually watching anything that's going on down below, and that's the entire point (laughs) of the book. What is this? Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I am shocked that, that, like, don't get me wrong. Yeah, no, it, this happens with Hollywood, but considering mm. how much he nailed Lord of the Rings, mm. I'm shocked. But yeah. I do feel like there might have been a one, like some sort of fluke of events a little bit. I think it's because Lord of the Rings calls for that kind of, you know, it is magic. So it calls mm. for that kind of like animation and it is like a classic, you know, one-man story of the you know, it follows the traditional three-act structure type of thing. Not that Lovely Bones doesn't, but I think the fact that he was like a a middle-aged to older man writing the, making this movie about a teenage girl is already just like the wrong choice. Yeah, it does seem like why would he pick that of everything kind of? It yeah. does seem strange. Why did he? Did you? I'm sure you know everything. If you've done the research, <laughs> give us the um, goss kit, all right? Don't leave us in suspense. <laughs> I can't, honestly, I can't remember that much. But I, all I remember is seeing one like clip of him being like, once you decide to adapt a story, you don't like, you don't owe anyone anything. And it's sort of like your interpretation. Whereas I was like, yeah, but like, you threw the entire book out. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, you just took like the premise and sort of did your own thing with it. You may as well have just made an original film. Hmm. Um, and I don't know. There's a lot of that. That is true in a in a way where you do need to sort of take it on as your own story, but also you need to honor the people who like love the source material. I think, at least. Uh, yeah. Like I think this is a age. I, I like you know you don't. Uh, I think the idea of you don't know anyone anything is is silly because like mm-hmm. and I know the people saying it probably just mean you know you don't own the most toxic elements of because straight away when I hear that I just think of like fandoms in certain other franchises and stuff who can put so much pressure on obviously Lovely Bones isn't the same no. but still it's the same <laughs> idea where like you know you should be doing your own thing you shouldn't be beholden to other people but at the same time that's as long as you respect the thing <laughs> yeah as long as if you're coming to it with love and respect so you're automatically going to be taken into account the people who are like would care that much. So even if you don't agree with them, you're coming to it from the same place. But it sounds like maybe he didn't exactly do that with this. No. It's like if he had remade Lord of the Rings and been like halfway through, Frodo is just going to like have an acid trip that lasts for two movies and then we don't – and then it's like – and then the ring gets thrown in the – I haven't seen (laughs) – Lord of the Rings. I don't know oh what it's about, <laughs> but I think this is all from pop culture. But I think that's. <laughs> I love how long you went <laughs> saying nothing just because you were like, ah, oh, maybe if I just keep talking, yeah. <laughs> I'll magically figure out the plot of Lord of the Rings live during this podcast about books. So the guy's already said that he likes Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> the other week, my housemate. <laughs> the other week, my housemate was like. Um, look, we're in we're in like a never ending lockdown. If you watch um, any, if you watch all three extended versions of Lord of the Rings with me, um, I will watch anything that you make me watch. And I was like, okay, if I do that, then you have to watch two seasons of Glee. <laughs> so I think that's a fair trade, but time wise, it's not. Also quality wise, but <laughs> how dare you? Glee, I enjoyed Glee quite a bit, but mm. like. Although, to be fair, actually, Glee does sound kind of lockdown mm. suited in some ways. Yeah, just a bit of bopping. Man, I was, I was, I, I, I was a bit of a yeah. Glee fan when it was first came out. Yeah, yeah. some of those mashup episodes with the songs match. Ah, I listened to those many multiple times. Yeah, I'm giving away another side of myself. This isn't about <laughs> me. Um, so, what did you do? It? Are you going to watch it? Um, maybe. Ah. <laughs> I've tried to You're be fair I have tried watching them I've tried before and I just got so unbelievably bored that I had to turn it off okay you're not big into the fantasy stuff no it has to be rooted in real life like Harry Potter it's like I which I love oh. at least he's you know like they're humans you know there are no humans yeah. in, like I can sort of relate to that but but Lord of the Rings I was like what's all of this bullshit where are all of the girls? <laughs> What's going on? You're sounding like a specious, you know, just because <laughs> I'm a human. Hmm. Should have known. Yeah. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Typical. The, big, the last line of bigotry. I should have I'm shocked. Shocked. The most fundamental. <laughs> um, look, nah, fair enough. So, so does, that, does that also trickle down into your, uh, your reading? Like, is any of you more drama, like real world stuff than fantastical? genre yeah. sort of fiction do you read for a lot? sure um i go i'm one of those people who goes through phases mm. where i'll read like three or four books in a row and then i'll get halfway through a book that i'm not that interested in and i won't read again for like six months <laughs> that's such a i love i love that i i because i understand the logic of that i used to fall victim to that myself it's like you, you're like i'm not liking this but I feel bad stopping. Yeah. So I'm just not going to read them. Then technically I'm still reading it. Yeah. If I don't start reading something else. So then I'm fine. <laughs> I'm in the clear. I've found the technicality. That's exactly what's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. That's a uh, look. I get it. I get yeah. it. Um, and uh, okay. That's interesting with the book stuff. But uh, to go back to the, just because I want to know, since you mentioned you're doing a screenwriting thing and they talked about adaptations mm. and I haven't actually done much discussion of this on this uh, podcast before about book to movie adaptations in an actual deeper sense. So, mm-hmm. what is the good? What is what is the good example of a book to movie uh, adaptation? You're nodding like yes. I'm mm. ready for this. <laughs> I am ready for this. This, okay. um, I think the Harry Potter movies did really well. 
I'm re-watching them at the moment. I think they did quite well. I think like movies like Perks of Being a Wallflower and stuff like that, which are short, you know, they translate quite easily because you can get most of it in. But the trick is that you don't, when you do an adaptation of a book, you don't worry about the plot per se. It's about theme. And so you still want to get most of the plot in, but like obviously if you have to put something that's like 300 pages into a two-hour film, you're going to lose stuff. Mm. So um, as long as you capture the, the the theme of the book and the heart of the book, then if you drop a few scenes here or there, people will forgive you. I think the best adaptation that I've seen recently was Normal People, which did turn into like a an eight-episode series. But I thought that was really, really well done. Right. That's mm. uh, Sally Rooney's first yes. book, I think, yeah. Yes, yeah. It's kind of cheating if you can turn it into an actual show. It is cheating, yes. <laughs> yeah, then you can do quite a bit of good adaptation. Of it. So that, that actually captured it quite – it did both kind of had the plot but also had captured it well. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, and this is turning into a book-to-movie adaptation podcast now, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about – like I actually have a theory which I, I – didn't think about it until I realized I think it unconsciously, but essentially, unless it's epic, I almost don't see the point in watching a visual representation of a book. Like if it's got if it's June, which by the way is coming out very soon, and I've never been more excited about anything in my entire life. <laughs> I think it might be the best movie ever made. Preemptively, I'm saying that now, putting it on record. I genuinely think it might be, but that's got epic. That looks amazing. Like the, the visuals of mm. that are stunning. But like when it's a TV is just about people hanging out. Like yeah. I've, I've read the book version. That's going to be better than any – like I know everything's going to happen, so thematically it's not going to add anything. So what – yeah, like that's kind of my view whenever I look. I, I realize mm. that's kind of what I do. I'm always like, oh, yeah, I never watch any TV show of a book if I've read it, which is – Yeah, Lord of the Rings I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, and I see, I see that point. I think um, I – Honestly, pretty much everything that comes out is an adaptation <laughs> nowadays. There are, and you know, like there's the cynical, boring part of my brain that says to that, you know, that when they're going to make an adaptation of a very successful book because they know it'll sell. And I think I love the normal people adaptation because I, because then you get to like watch the characters and feel along with them and all of that kind of stuff. But, yeah, there are some books. I can't think of any, but there are some books that don't need <laughs> to be adapted. Yeah, no, I think, it, obviously, this is completely personal preference. <laughs> so, mm, absolutely, 100%. You're wrong for that. <laughs> it's a <laughs> of time. Um, no, the, uh, like, yeah, okay. Uh, so, so, so the point is, book was great, Lovely Bones. Movie mm. was a disaster because it ignored everything, essentially, apart from Little Girl is in Heaven. Yes. Rockin' by the sound of it. And yeah. It's, got... <laughs> it's truly, like, it's truly atrocious. I just, honestly, if anyone has a spare couple of days, read the book and then watch the film and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. It's just. <laughs> yeah. And we all have a spare couple of days. <laughs> That's true. I feel like you're really guilting everyone now who's listening to this. Um, so the. So I'm glad we got that book to movie discussion now because it's gonna be it was inevitable with this. Uh, mm. So to go back to the book, um, mm-hmm. so let's just go into that now. So why? When did you first read it? I first read it when I was in high school. Yes, high school, a very long time ago now. Um, and it was I was it was quite like um, confronting for me, I think, because I was sort of of the age or like just a little bit older than she was when. It all like when she when the character dies and all of that kind of stuff, and I was sort of just like, ah, <laughs> I don't want to think about death. And then I revisited it, maybe I don't know when I was in my early twenties, and I was like, oh, this is actually a really beautiful book, like that has a lot of like amazing themes and has is very well written and is like has a very beautiful. It's I don't know. It's just like. I cried at the end and it takes a lot to make a person cry in a book, I feel, especially me at the time. Now I cry at anything, but at the time it <laughs> it really it really got me. Don't we all? <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so 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 was there a shift? Is there a reason you think it hit you so differently from like the first time to the second time? I think the the second time I was maybe just like older and wiser and had read more books, so I sort of knew what good writing was and um I think maybe just having a little bit more world life experience helped a mm. lot because I think it's sort of like in the book she dies very young. I think she's like 13 or 14 or maybe she's a bit, I don't know, it doesn't matter. And But she dies when she's like a young teenager. Um, but she watches all of her like friends and siblings grow up uh, on earth and I think having gone through that sort of growing up experience in real life you're like oh like this is what she's missing out on and this is what was taken from her it's quite a um powerful thing i think right Hmm. and that's um so i guess straight away the idea of sitting there looking at so we're trying to find connections. Like, is in, have you? Is that like? The, so there's a distance between herself and the other people in her family and stuff. And she watches them go on in their lives and obviously come to terms with what's happened and then have their own lives out. Um, I guess straight away the first obvious thing I could ask is: uh, Is that something which you have you died and got it? No. Uh, you, <laughs> uh, do you often feel like you're kind of sitting there observing the people around you, like almost look with a distance? Is that something you feel like you might do yourself? I'm Damn. Just, this is deep. This is a deep podcast. <laughs> it's the um, first guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Honestly, I think I do do a bit of that. I think just um, have, being a writer and a very anxious person, I just, yeah, I do sort of sit back and I think I'm that person at the parties, you know, who will like participate for a while. And then we'll just like have a moment where they just, I just sit down and I just watch everybody else have a good time for a while as a little break. Right. You just yeah. like to sit and tell like people watch in like the in deep, like you know all these yeah. people. So you're literally like looking at what they're doing. You're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, that's the first guess I was going to. Also because you're com- you do comedy as well, which means I think that can often require a sense of uh, stepping outside observing what's going on for sure yeah, yeah. so that's why it's a, i can understand that because yeah, what kind of style what, what kind of comedy do you do um now i do like musical comedy like i guess like my closest probably person that i'm like would be like bo burnham or oh. um yeah it's <laughs> a good one <laughs> a good thank one you to be like. yeah, yeah, yeah. A, i know i was like when he made inside <laughs> i was like damn now every thing i ever make <laughs> people will be like that's like bo burnham's inside <laughs> yours are but just yeah. also about depression and uh <laughs> anxiety and uh being trapped inside for a year yeah everything i do is about being trapped inside <laughs> no that's not true <laughs> all right okay so did you always do musical comedy or was that a recent development no that was it was pretty recent i think um by recent i mean like in the last three or four years. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first started, I first I did my first gig. So I'm turning 29 on Thursday and I did my first gig at 19. Oh. And then I took a break for like three or four years. And then, um, then I sort of started doing it again properly, but I was doing stand-up at that time. And I hated it. <laughs> I didn't realize that I hated it until I quit for other reasons. And then I was like, oh, I don't miss this at all in any way. <laughs> and I, right. yeah. So as, as as in live performing on stage with the mic? I think more just um, telling jokes in that way, just like that one specific way of communicating humor. I'm just like, I find it very lonely on stage when you do that and more like when you're sitting at home writing jokes in a, in a diary I'm just like oh god what if like, what if this isn't like it's funny to me the first time and then I read it back and I'm like it's already lost its pizzazz or whatever mm. um but I find if I'm writing like musical comedy I'm just like well at least I'm singing and playing the piano and doing something that I actually really love and enjoy so it's fun again. 
Right. So is that um, it's so fascinating. You went around like in that journey because so you were almost doing the comedy because you felt like you're you, you're writing comedy. So you're like I should do this. So then you got up on stage and did it for a while, and then realized that you weren't a fan of that style. Mm. Um, was that was that here in Melbourne? Yeah. Yeah. Born right. and bred. Okay. Was it a like was the scene itself you weren't a big fan of as well, or was it more just that style? Yeah. When I started. There was three other girls on my level and um, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I am very funny. <laughs> and so, but at the time there's, a, you know, there's a very, you know, as being a stand-up as well, it's like it, there's a difference between being a funny person and being able to write jokes. And I think mm-hmm. when I first started um, I was able to sort of like rely on being a funny person enough that I could sort of write jokes out of that. But that also meant that because I was a girl and funny enough, I was always put in either the first bracket or like first of the second, which meant that I never got to like do the third, like I never got to be bad, you know. There's a lot of male comedians that I saw at the time who would do like later gigs and they would suck and then they just get better because they had to. But I was like when you start at the top, or like when you're forced into that sort of position of the good time slot for gigs, it's just sort of like, oh, like I don't get to try stuff that I'm not sure about because if I bomb, then that means all women aren't funny <laughs> and it's just this whole sort of thing. Oh, wow. That's a, that's, that's a concept I've never like heard about before, but it makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like because, yeah, because people they obviously <laughs> – I, as someone who's run rooms before and I've, I've had done lineups, it's, it is very much a case you're like, well, I can't put the girl. <laughs> I've got two girls. I can't put them at the back because, like, that's, it's, you know, you got you want to try to break up just, yeah. you know, a wall-to-wall straight white dude. So you're like, let's put a couple of girls in here. But that means in your case, you're like, I want to practice stuff. Yeah. And I think it's it's sort of like the audience expects at least the first bracket to be good. You know, because <laughs> always the good people go up first and then the third bracket is when everyone's shit goes on or like people who haven't been doing it very long or like are still working out who they are. I don't think anyone. Oh, that no. I was about to say I don't think anyone's bad at comedy. And I was like, why are you saying that? Of course, oh, people are bad at comedy. <laughs> what an outrageous thing to say. <laughs> I know. I was just like, I have to. Like, what if someone listens to this and is in the third bracket and then quits comedy because of what I said? <laughs> I was just like. <laughs> They can how, judge for themselves. How nervous are you about things that you felt the need to clarify <laughs> that everyone is good at comedy? <laughs> what an outrageous thing to say. That I is, know. I immediately take – I didn't even finish the sentence and I take it back. That is, that's hilarious. <laughs> like, I don't want to ruffle anyone's feathers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You keep chugging you. It's like, no, nah, some people probably shouldn't. <laughs> I know, I know. But I think it's like the idea that – the idea that anyone would quit because of something I said is just <laughs> harrowing too, to me. It's just too much. <laughs> I say own it. Take that power. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. You've, you've ruined someone's <laughs> life with a quip. That is that is a kingly power right there. <laughs> Hold on to it, I say. I could only imagine that. <laughs> Having that kind of – anyone listening to me and respecting my opinion that much. Oh, my God. That's true. <laughs> The audacity. Um, <laughs> but the – so it's funny because like you – that's an insight I didn't know. But I do feel like how much of that was – I've seen plenty of first brackets that sucked. Yeah. But you're saying that there was an extra bit of pressure you felt maybe because of, again, the representation. And especially, like you said, this would have been like four years ago, whatever it was. Yeah. Five years ago, which – I think even then it was still getting much better, but every year it obviously gets better. So yes. it can, people can very quickly forget that it, even a little while ago it was like, yeah, there was there was a lack of – yeah, like not a lack, but there was definitely like <laughs> less numbers on one side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's definitely got so much better. But I think I always sort of did the same rooms, the good room, like the good rooms, you know. Um, so they would genuinely be quite good first brackets, but, um, oh, so you didn't actually try out all the crap. No, mics. I didn't have time for that. <laughs> I was just like, oh. I can't be bothered doing, you know, the rooms that I know I'm going to bomb at. I'd rather 
bomb in a room that so maybe it's my fault <laughs> yeah it's sounding a little bit more like your fault now, to be honest i'm starting to switch around from my original uh <laughs> thing. i'm not the just, only just person who feels this way to be fair yeah, yeah. <laughs> i have talked to my other friends and they all agree but um i think i i, I have done i have done shit rooms it's not like i've only ever done good rooms i just meant like yeah most of the, I would just go to sort of the same rooms every week that would have the same people who I know are funny. Yeah. And then, and then obviously it's the classic thing, right? If you, it's just easier because you're yeah. in that habit. You're like, why would I break up this habit, which is hard, to go and do something which is shit yeah. <laughs> to people who hate it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I get it. Yeah. That's, it's, a, it's the danger of a <laughs> like comfortable habit, I think, can make you suck into that sort of stuff. I know that feeling. Um, the, and I guess, like you said, the, also the fact that, and I, I definitely agree with this, something which I don't know how much, I don't know how much it would weigh on your head, maybe a lot, maybe a little, but the fact that, yeah, as a, as a woman, you, you, you could be, you see that you do one bad gig and people are like, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> Women aren't funny. Yes. I'm correcting my thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure. I got to say. It is a lot of pressure. <laughs> unnecessary amount of pressure for and like and because the people you're making happy are also the people you want the least to make happy <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah so it's not just like some happy guy like oh he's making a mistake but all right it's like it's like no no the people that i hate the most are the ones <laughs> making this incorrect assessment so it's i get how that would add to the uh to the pressure i guess internally yes yeah. exactly and it is mostly internal pressure but, you know, I'm sure it comes from somewhere outside that I haven't thought about or um, challenged yet. But I will. <laughs> I'll get there. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, is it a specific person or like? No, no, no. I mean, like. You're going to single-handedly take down the patriarchy. <laughs> I, I can't. You can't do it as one person. I mean, more like just within myself, I'll think, you know, start to think about what societally has made me feel this way. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a bit, i got to say. Yeah. Us, us men, we are working day and night maintaining this patriarchy. It is tiring. But, <laughs> you know, someone's got to do it. Someone's <laughs> got to do it. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> um, the, so then you switched away from – then you stopped for whatever reason for a little bit and then you came back and realized you – so I'm guessing you always played music your whole life. Yeah. But you never combined the two. Yes. Right. And does your music kind of uh, touch upon the same sort of topics as someone like Bo Burnham or is it something like, it's kind of like whatever? Um, <laughs> I think it's very, very different. So my first show was about the Australian wool industry. My second show. <laughs> I love that you stopped there. You're like, that's what it was about. It wasn't it, thematically it- actually about <laughs> a father's love. It was about the Australian wool industry. Um, GDP of 432 million. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're talking thematically, it's that one's about was about how women are forgotten in history. Okay. Um, my second show was about the Essendon drug scandal and how hard it is to be a fan. And about okay. fandom because I'm a giant Essendon supporters love supporter love them, really um, yeah, huge. Even now, even now, even okay. throughout the whole saga, throughout everything. Um, That's a really interesting topic to just, and especially I think sport sports stands as the most legitimate of in a weird way. I think sports stands as the most legitimate of fan based things where even if they suck, you still go for them because like at least mm-hmm. then it's like. It's your team. Like, as in, it is just yeah. your team. It's like your country, it's your team. It's like you always go for them. That's part of the journey. I don't like fandoms involving like other things. I'm less, uh, it doesn't make sense to be a fan of a, a franchise. So then any movie they bring out, you're going to love. It's like, no, no, you should be harsh to them, I think, <laughs> in that instance. Yeah. So, what, how did you, what was that show? How'd you reconcile that stuff? Um, I sort of reconciled it with like people the people you love and the sport that you love, they can make mistakes, but also I do believe in the conspiracy theory that they were set up. <laughs> Here I was, this is going to be some healthy message. <laughs> it's just a fan <laughs> spreading their own conspiracy theories. That's amazing. Yeah, it's not, I mean, like, I have evidence to back it up, 
But um, so I think no, I've got enough. Fa- okay, what are the what's the evidence? Like, tell me. So it was it was a conspiracy theory? It was a conspiracy against them. Yes. No, right, I mean done. yes. I think I think it was I mean, mainly they. Um, there was never none of the players ever actually tested positive for anything. All of the evidence was circumstantial, and um, I think that there was just they were. I think it was more like it wasn't a question of. Um, did they do this wrong? It was more like the AFL, Asada and WADA went after them to make an example of them when they probably only needed like a fine and a slap on the wrist. Mm. And other fa- other clubs have done similar things and have had nothing. Yeah. And a big thing that I, um, a big point, one of my favourite points in the show is when I talk about how People still bring up the doping saga now in relation to Essendon, but there have been players and teams who have been caught in like scandals of sleeping with underage girls, and we never hear about that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a lot of that kind of stuff. It's really <laughs> sounding like you just having a gripe against I, I non Essendon <laughs> fans. This is no, it's not against just... Essendon fans. I'm an Essendon fan. It's no, no, against... I'm saying against everyone oh, who right. is Essendon fans. Yes, 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 yes. No, you are correct. Yes. <laughs> okay, this is like here I was waiting for some amazing denouement where you're like, ah, oh, and obviously it's about, you know, how people can overreach themselves and their love of a thing and not blind. No, no, you're like, nah, fuck you. This is about the conspiracy <laughs> to bring down Essendon. Come mm-hmm. on, up the bombers. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay, fair enough. That's a, you know, look, someone has to say it, I think. Uh, also, <laughs> Thank you. I agree. Wouldn't, and, but I also do think that, like, uh, the doping, because it was so interlinked with one club, I think that's why it stands out so much. Also, you're mm. probably sensitive in the fact that you're hearing this about Essendon versus other teams. And also, all these, the other one you mentioned, I would say that's probably an issue that is more widespread. So you can't actually link it to any one team. I think, which is a very weirdly tragic way to say that it's harder to take the piss out of. It's like, yes. your, well, your guy did this sexually dubious thing. It's like, well, so did yours. They're like, oh, fuck, you're right. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there no, was a scandal one. called this and killed a schoolgirl. So I think you can sort of. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You can go after that one, but I do see your point. It is a more widespread AFL issue. Mm. Well, not, not just the AFL, just sport in general. Yeah. <laughs> but, which you know. doping is too, but it just had less of a focal point. Yeah. Yes, I think. But although that's a good point, so Killian, I don't, so I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a AFL verse person, so wow. you're giving away my own. Yeah, that's okay. okay. You don't have to be. <laughs> so, <laughs> gone off on a t- okay. So we've got a, so far the wool industry and conspiracy theories. Were these musical shows or were these? This when you came back, you made musical shows. Yes, they're both um, musicals. So the whole show was about that one thing, and all the songs told a story like a musical. <laughs> And it was you on, yeah, yeah. And so you talk and then go into the musical number, yeah. essentially. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was just you on stage. Um, yes. For the first one, I had it was just me and someone who played the piano, and then for the second one, I had a, a full live rock band. What? So drums, bass, guitar. What? Yeah. That's 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 a decent step up. I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all the songs you wrote. Yeah. And so they were arranged song. by my friends who were in the band, which okay. I'm very lucky that I have very cool punk rock friends. <laughs> so, yeah. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Because yeah. then, so you, you write the lyrics and stuff. And then, how does that work? Especially with something like comedy. I feel like it's interesting because, like, as in, do you write the, is it all, is the genre linked to the thing you're doing or is it just kind of like whatever? Well, I think um, for Wool, it was more like, the music was more like a traditional musical and just sort of piano-based because it was set in the 18th, 19th century kind of when Australia was invaded and all of that sort of stuff happened. But, yeah, because I was like, it's a footy show and the the sound of footy is rock, is rock and roll. And I have these friends who are in a very cool band and are amazing musicians. So, yeah, I'd write the music and the lyrics on the piano and then I'd take it to them and they would just play through it and sort of work it out from there. Rock it up, turn it into a rock. Rock it up, yeah. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. How did you even make friends with these this cool bunch of rock people? <laughs> Uni. Ah, 
Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's useful. And uh, yeah, so so you'd write the songs. So when you write the songs, so I, I don't I don't have a clue about this. Music is something which I find super interesting, and, and I yeah. have zero experience in outside of. I like to listen to some of it. Um, <laughs> like, would you write the lyrics, and then you'd be like, "Oh, cool," and then you'd kind of try to make the melody. Would you do it the other way around? Is it just whatever? Or yeah, it sort of depends. Um, sometimes I'd have like like one specific lyric in mind that I'd sort of write a whole song around. Um, for example, well, for this for Scandal, which was, yeah, the footy show, <laughs> I, I read a book very um, it's great for this podcast. It's called The Straight Dope um, and it's by a guy called Chip Legrand, which is a great, beautiful name, wonderful name. And that book is about the saga from start to finish. So I basically read through that and I took notes of like the key moments and of little nug- like fun nuggets of things that I thought were funny or um, that would make a good song. And so like one of the songs is called The Blackest Day in Australian Sport, which is what the Herald Sun called it at the time. Mm. And so I was just sort of like, cool, here's a song where I have a lyric and I can now build a song around it. Other times I would have like a vague idea. Just- I just hope that was an example. Like you, all you did was compare it to other horrible times in Australian <laughs> sport. And that was I, the whole song. It was actually about, um, so it was like the blackest day in Australian sport and how what the AFL, just sort of like how it was all announced, intercut with the fact that it was James Hurd's birthday. <laughs> the day that it was all, it all came out. That's also pretty funny. That's like yeah. a twist and a knife. That's, that's pretty hilarious. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, and then... <laughs> Yeah, and then other songs I'd sort of be like, okay, I want this one to be about roughly about like how Joe Watson lost his Brownlow, but um, how the Brownlow is inside of you. <laughs> the Brownlow is inside of all of us, you know, like. And so for that, I said, for that one, I sat down with Ellie who played guitar and we just like, she just like played chords and we just sort of sang at each other until a song was written. And that's almost wow. called Goodbye Brownlow. <laughs> well, look, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I, so I would assume it will go from all different, um, yeah, it's sometimes lyrics, sometimes songs and ideas, whatever. Yeah. Uh, we've really gone off from the book topic. <laughs> <laughs> we have. I did bring it back with a different book. But... You did, which is great. And Chip Grand. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it sounds very specific to some people who would want to read that, but I'm glad it's in yeah. there. It's a shout out from you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So lovely bones, uh, mm. the book we're meant to be discussing. <laughs> yep. Uh, it did have. See the other thing, which I think, and it's interesting, you, the age you read it at, because I feel like that's an age which uh, certain types of people actually fall into the same thing. Will have like thoughts about death and stuff like that, not in terms of like like suicide. I think I'm talking about like just in terms of what is it and like contending with that idea. Was mm. that something you were doing as well at all, or was that just like? Yeah, I think it's sort of like that age where. At least for me, who was a very, who's always been a very, very anxious person, it was sort of that time when I was just like, "Oh shit, I'm not immortal." <laughs> like I'm, you know, like I remember when I was in primary school. So this would have been like five or six years before that moment. I had this where I, I was just sitting in class and they were talking about a kid with cancer, and I was like, "Oh my god, that could be me. I could get sick." <laughs> like it was such a weird like concept to be like, "Oh my god," like. I'm not just like living this sick life. <laughs> Anything can happen, sort of. So I think it's sort of a similar, it's a similar thing. Um, and I think when you're that young as well, you're sort of like, especially because I, I was, I was, a, I was, a, I was a little nerd, you know. <laughs> In high school, I didn't really like, I didn't like boys or any of the, or like fashion or makeup or anything until I was much, much older. Mm. So I think at the time I was also like looking I looked forward a lot I was sort of like I can't wait till I'm out of high school and I'm at uni and I can do stuff that I actually want to do and I never really lived in the present when I was in high school so I think a lot of that was also like oh but what if I never get to do the things that I'm waiting to do which is exactly what the book's about which is exactly which is exactly what the book's about and that's probably why I was so traumatizing the first time I read it <laughs> but it's one of the most beautiful books I've ever read and yeah. yeah, I'm going to read it again, probably, um, after this I, podcast. 
<laughs> You've made me actually like, because I only knew it from seeing the ads once with the trailer and the visuals of the Peter Jackson. I'm like, oh, whatever. And then I heard the story and I was like, okay. But now that you've described it like that, I find it that really interesting. The fact that it's she, it's just her narrating what's going on with these other people and her coming to groups. Like that just sounds much more interesting to me, actually. And if you're yeah. saying it's good as well, that's, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind uh, giving that a go. The uh, So now, mm-hmm. looking back, you obviously mm. had those stresses when you were 16. I don't want to end on the note of uh, <laughs> we're all going to die and I'm going to miss out on everything. But <laughs> that's why I like this book. I can relate. Because um, first I'm guessing the book kind of gives you an insight into that a little bit maybe about like the meaninglessness of that or like it's heartbreaking but also part of life, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I guess looking back now, is that kind of where you've – or is it just you're like, whew, I did those things. All right, now I'm ready to go. <laughs> like, what is, no, no, I've got, a, I've got a lot of more things that I want to do. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> but, um, you know, I've, I've kissed a boy now. Um, don't want to brag, but <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you know, I've – you're saying it I've done times, it. So okay. <laughs> no, but um, I think it's <laughs> – thank you, thank you. Um, I think the, the book itself, the sort of message at the end of it is like, you know, the world is a beautiful place and you should enjoy it while you're there. Sort of similar to the end of um, American Beauty if you've seen that film. And if you haven't, you can't watch it anymore because Kevin Spacey's in it. So sorry, <laughs> you missed the boat. <laughs> Um, no, that's not true. I I believe in can like you know in holding people accountable, but a lot of people worked on that film, not just Kevin Spacey. So, yeah. um, that's my take. <laughs> that's my hot take. <laughs> I give you permission to go watch American Beauty if you Thank want you. to. And um, all, and everyone's good at comedy. Okay, we got and everyone's good at comedy. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it's just sort of it's that thing of life goes on and. So and so will you in some way. Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Whether you believe in heaven or you just think, you know, like you go on in the mem- in people's memories of you and all that kind of stuff. Um, and the world is beautiful, and you should enjoy it now. And I am saying that, and I haven't left my house in four days. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm finding beauty in the paint of my walls. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear <laughs> i'm trying to i'm trying to <laughs> three sentences before and it was a really beautiful emotive moment <laughs> i'm finding beauty in the paint of my walls i know i'm a comedian you know you can't you have to cut me off as soon as i get something sentimental or else i'll ruin it with a joke <laughs> yeah no, that's right i'm not sure if it was a joke either <laughs> no it wasn't. No, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> um, well, I mean, well, although just to flesh that out a bit though, it sounds like, yeah, I think some of it comes with age. You just stop feeling like that stress of the youth, the anxiety of potentially you start getting more comfortable with missing out on things and whatever and you're just you doing you. Mm-hmm. Um, so was that a kind of a conscious choice on your part or was it just kind of that? It's like you get a bit older, you just get a bit more comfortable with yourself. and Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Um, yeah, getting older, getting more sort of, comfortable in myself and years of therapy. <laughs> okay. Well, that's <laughs> Yes, to get over, you know, like a legitimate um anxiety disorder. But okay. I think Yes, I used to have a very like really bad death anxiety and I don't as much anymore. Um I'm so sorry I keep bringing this down. Um no, that's a, that's a, that's what this is this show's good to go over. Like I feel like that's that's a lot to throw in. Yeah. <laughs> At the very end. So like a legitimate death anxiety, like of yourself. Yeah. I was sort of like it would be it was sort of be more about like what happens after. Because no, it's the one it's the great unknown, you know. And I wasn't brought up religious or spiritual or anything. I wasn't necessarily brought up atheist either. I just it was sort of just like Whatevs. Yeah, whatevs. And so I think just the idea of there potentially being nothing. I was like Ah, that sounds terrible. <laughs> okay, and it still sounds terrible, but I just try. I just don't think about it anymore. <laughs> I mean, that's your therapy's work to treat. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you only bring this up now because, like, you actually had to go to therapy for this anxiety. Oh, it was just I went to therapy for general anxiety, yeah. but this was a a part of a, one of the things that gave me a lot of 
anxiety attacks. Okay. Well, I hope we can discuss it now without you. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm fine. But I've always said like people, uh, you know, that like question where people like, would you rather um, die immediately? Like, just like, would you rather know that you're about to die or just die without knowing? And people say like, I'd rather know that I was going to die. So then I could say all my goodbyes and stuff. But I was like, no, I don't want to know. <laughs> I want it to come completely out of nowhere. And for me to not just be it, just like, that's it. I don't get to think about it. Uh, what yeah. would you rather? <laughs> I think I would rather know. I think interesting. Yeah, I think like as in it's, um, it would make everything. It would give a perspective. I yeah. think, and like we all, it's because it's weird. It's like imagine you found out you're going to die when you're seventy three. Let's say, yeah, you're kind of guessing that now. <laughs> yeah, so like. <laughs> It's almost like it doesn't really matter, but it might give you a bit of a push, even though we should have that push anyway. Mm. Um, and if you find that it's going to be the next five years, then you're like, oh, well, okay, this is pretty harsh. But also you're able to better, I think, it, it would give you an extra, even though it would give you what we should all have anyway, is yeah. my theory. Like it would give you how you should be looking at the world, but we don't because, ah, <laughs> so it's a, who knows? You know? I, I know, I know. I don't know. <laughs> Um, and now let's end on a fun one. Would you rather have um, no elbows or no knees? <laughs> Outrageous. Um, but obviously you'd have to go with no knees. Correct. You need your hands for everything. Like as in if you're going to incapacitate <laughs> one part of your body, you've got to go with your legs every time. Yes. I think, I don't know, maybe there are some people who are like dancers or something where they would like, I could deal with long arm, like straight arms, but I need my legs to dance. You can't even eat. <laughs> you could get a really long fork or something. That's okay. You got to do better than this one. This one's too easy to answer. Sorry. Would I... you rather? No, we're, we're stopping. All right. Stop trying to derail it just because Sorry. you started going into a topic that's intense. <laughs> Sorry. Ah, trying to dodge it. Classic comedian. I guess uh, we'll call it there. Uh, can anyone follow you on anything? Anyway, you want to give a little shout out? Yes. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. I think my handle's Kit Richards Comedy on Facebook and Instagram and Kitley9 or something on Twitter. Just type in my name and you'll find it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's kind of everything. Um, thank you very much for being on. I will let you thank go you. back to staring at the paint on your walls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait. There's a new part of the wall I have. I just found. So <laughs> You just lifted up a picture? Fr- fr- yeah. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, wow. <laughs> Cancel all my plans. There are no plans. Good. Okay. <laughs> Who are you talking to? No one. Okay. Um, okay. Well, thanks for being on anyway. So. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. Nice. Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you want to help support this show and all the other shows we do here at Sans Pants Radio, then why not subscribe to SansPantsPlus.com? For as little as $5 a month, you could have access to a whole bunch of bonus shows and content. Once again, that's SansPantsPlus.com.